Well, it sure is good to see everybody this morning, and uh, as we continue to look in the Word of God at the book of 1 Thessalonians, we've made it to chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 1. So as we continue to look at this and continue to uh, do a study through uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 2, we, we uh, are looking at this and we're reminded in chapter 1 uh, that the Apostle Paul, he was kind of giving a thank you uh, to the church of Thessalonica and as he was giving his thank you, he gave a list of uh, basically through the whole chapter of what he was thankful to the church about. And you know, we need to be thankful for the church. I mean, we need to be thankful uh, for the fact that we have a church, we're thankful for brothers and sisters who are in Christ. And so the more plugged in you are into a church, the more thankful you're going to be for that church. And you know, when those times of crisis, those times of need come in your life and that church steps up to the plate for you, you're going to be greatly thankful uh, for that church. And so when we think about that, we're reminded of that. Here it is that the Apostle Paul in chapter 2 is now kind of writing a uh, Oh, how I long to be with you letter. And so as we think about Oh, oh, how I long to be with you later. You kind of think about a college student, right? That college student, they're going to college and they're they're missing their high school sweetheart. And as they're missing their high school sweetheart, they're writing a letter back. Or maybe they're missing their mom and dad. Whoever it is that they're missing, they write that letter back home. And it's, a, you know, oh, how I long to be with you. Like, oh, how I long uh, to see you again. How much I miss you. And I can't wait to see you again. Or maybe that soldier's out there in the battlefield and they're writing a letter back home and as they're writing a letter back home it's kind of the same thing you know I can't wait to get home again can't wait to see you again I'm longing to be with you and so that's really what the apostle Paul is doing in part in chapter 2 he doesn't take up the whole chapter uh, in doing that uh, as he took up the whole chapter of uh, chapter 1 and giving thanks to the church and uh, what he was thankful to the church about but he does do this and so as we look here in chapter 2 beginning in verse 1 what we find right here he says for you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we have boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. And so, you know, as we had already looked, I already took a look, took a look at that in Acts chapter 17, we find right there that it, there was that the Apostle Paul and his team, they went in to the city of Thessalonica, they began preaching the gospel, they were ran out of the city. And so first of all, he's telling them, what this wasn't in vain and certainly it wasn't in vain first of all people were saved amen and anytime people are saved that is worthwhile it doesn't matter you know what you went through through the process it doesn't matter what tapped and what what you had to endure if people were saved then it's worth worth the process and it's absolutely not in vain and not only were people saved but a church was planted a church was started there and so certainly it was not in vain and now these believers were gathered together and as these believers were gathered together they were growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ now the church is planted in Thessalonica more people began to come to know Jesus Christ within the city of Thessalonica not only that but the apostle Paul said that the whole world knew about their faith right and so the whole world is hearing about the faith of the church there in Thessalonica and so even though what they went through was hardship heartache and pain even though they went through this persecution even though they went through these trials it was not in vain but now 
As we're reminded that, that the Apostle Paul and his team was ran out of town. They were ran out of town. Jason, uh, one of their, uh, one of their uh, church members of the house in which they were meeting, he was arrested. And so now as Paul, Paul is writing to them, letting them know, hey, I want to see you guys again. And oh, how I long to see you. And you know, that's all to remind us that we ought to take every opportunity we can to, first of all, as he was, be thankful for our church, to be mindful of all of the many, many things that we should be and need to be thankful for our church in, but also be mindful of how blessed that we are to be able to worship together. Amen. That, that truly is a blessing that we can come in, that we have the freedom in the United States of America to be able to come in with that freedom where, you know, we don't have any mobs that can form and drive us out of town. Not yet. It might get to that point one day, but we're still, we're still in the land of the free, right? And so as we're still in the land of the free, we have that, that right to be able to come together and worship together. And so we ought to appreciate that. We ought to be thankful to God for that, that we can. And we ought to take every bit of advantage of that as we possibly can because Paul is now in a position to where he can't go back to Thessalonica. He wants to go back. He wants to be with the church. He longs to be with the church, but he can't be with the church. And you know, there's folks right here in our own community that they want to be here and folks listening on Facebook probably right now they want to be here they have the desire to be here they have the will to be here but they're just not physically able to be here right or sickness or whatever it is that that has caused them to not be able to be here and so they're away from us right now and their heart is to be with us and so that is what Paul is saying I'm away from you at the present time but I want to be with you Right? I want to be there in your midst. I want to be amongst you. I want to see you. And so Paul is writing this, assuring them, you know, he loves them, that his heart is there for them. But he says this in verse 2. He says, but after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you also know, we had but the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. And so there was this great opposition that was there within Thessalonica. And so in this opposition, we read about that in Acts chapter 17 and verse 5. We read about this opposition that had risen up, that had come up against them, but Paul is taking the opportunity to first of all say, you know what, I was taken away from you. I was taken away from you. In fact, in verse 17, in the same chapter, chapter 2, verse 17, he goes on to talk about the preaching of the gospel and things like that that we're going to look at uh, uh, on down the road. But as we look at this and continue on this theme, he, he gets back on track in verse 17, and he says this in verse 17 through verse 20. He said, But we, brethren, have been taking away, taken away from you for a short while in person, not in spirit, for we are more eager with great desire to see your faith for we want to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us for, uh, for who is our hope, our joy, our crown of uh, exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. 
So as he continues this theme on at the end of the chapter, again, he talks about the opposition that comes their way that drove them out, but then he ends up getting back to this. Let me remind you that I want to see you. I want to be with you. I want to be there in your presence. I want to come and worship with you. I want to come and grow with you. But what happened was we see in verse 17, he says, but we, brethren, having been taken away from you, for a short while, having been taken away from you. And so when we look at that, you know, when we look at that in the, in the original language, when we look at that in the Greek language, what it's literally saying right here, what Paul is literally saying, he's saying that I have been orphaned. <laughs> Amen? I've been orphaned. And so when you look at that, you know, you know, you look at, you know, we take pity on orphans and we, you know, our heart breaks for orphans and, you know, we, we, we like to support orphanages and we like to support, um, you know, those children that are down and out, maybe even in foster care and things like that and try to be a blessing to them as much as we possibly can because our heart breaks for those orphans because they're there, they're in a hopeless situation, they can't do anything for themselves, they can't provide for themselves, they need some. They need that caretaker that is there to help them and walk with them and provide for them and nourish them and help walk them along life's path so our heart breaks for orphans and so you know how badly that those orphans need the parents. And here it is that the Apostle Paul is talking here about, you know, to the church that God used him to start. And so in that sense, you know, you would think to him as being a father figure uh, to the rest of the church. Is, you know, the Apostle John, he says it a lot uh, in, in, uh, in, in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he, he calls him my beloved children. Uh, you're my beloved children. And so that's how he refers to the church there as, he, as he's speaking to them. But here, the Apostle Paul's not talking about how they've been orphaned because he, as the church planner, has been taken away. He says, no, I have been orphaned because I've been removed from the church. I don't have a church that's going to minister to me. I don't have a church that's going to invest in me. I'm not in your midst to where I could be there to, to, to grow in you. And certainly he was involved in other churches and he planted many churches. And he had many other churches to go to. But because I have been removed from you, a church that is put there for the specific purpose of ministering and nurturing and, and, and bringing in that, you know, that, that growth and doing exactly what a parent ought to be doing to a child in, in every, uh, every aspect uh, of that. And what we find here that it's not the Apostle Paul saying that they have been orphaned. He said, I have been orphaned. I'm the one that has been removed from you and I'm not receiving that nourishment now and oh how long how I long to be reunited with you. You can imagine that orphan, especially if that orphan knew the parents and those parents are, you know, whether through tragedy or whatever it was, that those parents have been uh, taken away and they've been removed from the home. And I've seen that. I've seen children that have been removed from the home and what a heartbreaking situation that that is for those children. How they grieve so much because they know their moms, they know their dads, and now their dads are taken away, their moms are taken away, and now they're heartbroken. And so here it is in this heartbroken situation that Paul says, brethren, we have been taken away from you. Literally, we've been orphaned. 
And so this is, this is probably the strongest language that the Apostle Paul can use of being removed from the church. And we need to recognize that if we're no longer plugged into the church, if we're, if we're absent from the church and we're, and we're no longer allowing the church to be invested in us, yes, we're still Christians, yes, we're still born-again believers in Jesus Christ, yes, God is still our Heavenly Father, but we've been orphaned because we're not going through the process of what it is that God wants us to be nurtured and where God wants us to grow and where God wants us to be mentored and become the men and women that God wants us to, to, to be. We have been orphaned. I recognize I'm preaching to the choir right now, but that's something that we, we need to always keep in our mind and keep in our conscience that, that that's one of the reasons we're not just, we don't just have church for the sake of having church. Amen? Just something to do on Sunday morning. And we don't do it just because God said to do it. You know, God says, forsake not the gathering of one another. We don't, that's not the reason we do it, just because God says to do it. It's a good enough reason, but if that's the only reason that we're doing it, then that's legalism, right? We're doing it, first of all, because we love Jesus. Second of all, because we love our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. But third, because we want to grow and mature in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we've been orphaned, we don't have anyone to nourish us. Amen? And oh, how desperately we need that within our lives. How desperately that orphan is not going to survive on its own, especially the younger that orphan is, the less likely that orphan's going to survive on their own. And so when we understand that, begin to recognize that this is a situation that the Apostle Paul is talking about. And so now when we look at verse 17 and verse 18, again, Paul says right here, but, but we brethren have been taken away from you for a short while. Now, now listen to the wording of this. He says, we brethren... Oh, it was the whole team, right? The whole mission team. We, brethren, have been taken away from you for a short while in person, not in spirit, for, for uh, we're, uh, we're all uh, the more eager with great desire to see your face. Look at verse 18, and, and, and listen to the tense of this. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once. And so, what is he saying right here? He's saying, yes, we the whole team, we wanted to come see you. All of us, we. But I, Paul, <laughs> want to come see you. And so, what is he saying right here? You know, it might not be grammatically correct, but as we look at this, Paul is saying, I really, 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 really want to come see you. The whole team wants to come see you. You know, it's their heart, it's their desire, it's their passion. But I, Paul, singling yourself out. This just isn't about the ministry. It's not just about the work. It's not just about finishing a job that hasn't yet been completed. But I really, 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 really want to come see you. You know, if I say, well, I come to Mill Creek Baptist Church, and well, why do you go to Mill Creek Baptist Church? Because I'm the pastor. What would they think of me if I didn't show up? <laughs> They'd probably start looking for another pastor, right? But I don't come to church just because I'm the pastor. I really want to see you, right? 
I really want to be with you. I really want to spend time with you. I really want to be nourished by you. I want to be ministered to by you. Amen? And so I don't just come here because that's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what's expected of me. It's in a job description somewhere, and that's, you know, I'm supposed to be here. What did anybody think of a church that had a pastor that never came? <laughs> right? So you don't come because you're just supposed to. You come because that's where your heart is. Amen? And not only is he saying right here that I really, really, really want to see you, but he's saying also, by the way, I really, 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 really want to see you because I really, 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 really love you. It's not just something that I am going through these motions of doing, but I really love you. He's saying this in verse 19 as we look at this. He says, for who is our hope, our joy, our crown of exaltation? Now, if, if you look at this right here, it says, who's our hope? Well, Jesus is our hope. Who's our joy? Jesus is our joy. Who's our crown of exaltation? Jesus is our crown of exaltation. And no doubt, Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our crown of exaltation. But then he turns around. He says, is it not even you? <laughs> it's you. It's the church. Now, what is the church? Church is the body of Christ. Amen? The church is the bride of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church. And so when we look at the church as the body of Christ, we look at the church as the bride of Christ, we recognize that that church is the extension of Jesus Christ himself, of being a ministry to those who are on this earth, because God has put the church on the earth. Jesus has put the church on the earth for the specific purpose of seeing people saved, right? That's one of our roles. That's one of our responsibilities as a church, is to see people saved, that lost people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but also God has put the church upon this earth earth as the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ. He's put the church on the earth that those who are saved would come and they would grow and mature in their walk with Jesus. Amen? And he has put us here as a family. We're a family. Every single one of us, we're brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We're joint heirs in Christ Jesus. And as we look at that, we recognize that through Jesus Christ, every single one of us are a part of the church. So yes, it's all centered in Jesus Christ. But here he is speaking of the church when he says the church is, is my hope. The church is my joy. The church here, he is saying, is my reason for exaltation. So when he He's talking about the church, and we recognize that he's speaking about the church right here. He says, is this not you? This is you that he's talking about. And as he says, is this not you? He says, is this not even you? In the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming. So everything's through Jesus. Amen? Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our joy. Jesus is is our crown of exaltation. But today he's using the church, the means that we come together and we corporately worship Jesus. 
This is a church that we come together and we corporately, we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ is by the preaching of the gospel that the lost hear it and the lost are saved and we send out missionaries and we send out evangelists and we send out prophets that are proclaiming the truth of the word of God. Thus saith the Lord God. That the lost can hear the word of God and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it is the church that we come together for the purpose of growing and maturing, becoming the men and women of God. And apart from the church, we're orphaned. We're left out there on our own. All by ourselves to do our own thing, to try to figure it out our own way. Most likely we're going to get lost along life's path and we're going to fall into the trap of danger. Fall into those snares. And so when he's saying this, he's saying, I really, 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 really want to be with you. Why? Because I really, 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 really love you. You're my, you're, you're my hope. You're my joy. You're the crown of exaltation. And it's through Jesus Christ and because of Jesus Christ. See, we ought to have that desire to be together, to be with one another. But he had this opposition, again in verse 2, he mentioned this opposition. He had this opposition, and Satan is so good about bringing up that opposition. Acts chapter 17, verse 5 says this, says, But the Jews becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacking the house of Jason, they were seeking to bring them out to the people. So what does Satan do? Satan still has the same tactics today. He will, he will rise up some wicked men. These wicked men uh, will, will uh, then uh, form a mob, and this mob will then rise up in an uproar and get the city in an uproar to come and attack God's people. And it starts, it's rooted in those wicked men, but we need to be reminded that where our, 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 our attack comes from, it's not from those wicked men, that our struggles not against flesh and blood. Amen? It's against Satan himself. And so as we take a look at this and recognize that it is from Satan himself, we recognize that, it, we understand that the Apostle Paul also said right here in verse 18, he says, for we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us. You know, it's interesting that word that Paul uses right there, that Satan hindered us. Because the wording that he used, that Satan hindered us, is really a military word. It's a strategic military word. And so when we look at that strategic military word, what that really means is he's putting obstacles before us. And so Satan, uh, or, or uh, uh, Paul rather, already said that he put an opposition before us through these wicked men. And, and so what is that opposition? That opposition is obstacles that are before us to where we literally cannot go down that road. We literally cannot follow that path. And you know what takes place in warfare, warfare? When the enemy army comes in, when the invading army comes in, you know what they'll do? One of the very first things that they 
they will do is they will strategically go and tear up the roads, right? Or they will strategically go and blow up the bridges, right? Where they will route that other, that, that opposing army the way that they want them to go or they will trap them into a corner somewhere to where they're trapped and they can't get out and they can't go where they want to go. And so that's literally what Paul is saying right here is that in that strategic way, Satan seems to have had the victory right here, but guess what? God's going to win the war. In fact, he already has. Satan has put an obstacle before me. Satan has put opposition before me. Satan has used these wicked men that formed a mob that came and drove us out of the city. And right now, because that mob's still in an uproar, we can't come see you right now. It's our heart to come see you right now. But we have this obstacle that is now the strategic uh, maneuver that Satan has put in our path. He blew up a bridge we can't get across right now. But guess what? We're not giving up. Amen? We're not giving up. In fact, in verse 17, let's go back up there and, and see some of the things, see the determination that, that Paul uses. And by the way, Satan has many, 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 many different forms of trying to keep you out of church and try to keep you out of God's Word and try to keep you away from God's people. He has many, many different tactics. It comes in many ways, many shapes, many forms, you know, and, and it can be very negative and it can also look very positive. He could use family. He could use loved ones. He could use all kinds of different things, right? And, and so as we look at this, we, we need to recognize it for what it is. Anything that is trying to keep you out of God's will and pursuing God's will is a tactic from Satan. Now, that doesn't mean that that particular person is Satan or whatever it is. It, like I said, could even be a good thing that Satan is using, but we're following for his tricks and we need to say, no, this is what the Word of God says. I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to pursue the things of God. I'm not going to let that opposition stand in my way. I'm not going to let anything stand in my way from being in the house of God, being amongst the people of God and worshiping my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's my mama of whom I love, <laughs> right? I'm not going to let those things stand in my way. Now, there's certain times we can't be there. We might be sick. Jobs might have called us away, whatever. There's all kinds of legitimate reasons of why we want to be there, but we just can't be there, right? And God understands that. God knows that. But whatever it is that's keeping me away, this is what I'm going to do about it. Paul lists these things. He says, first of all, verse 17, he says, go back up there. He said, but we, brethren, have been taken away from you for a short while. For a short while. Oh, Satan's got the victory right now. He's won this battle, but guess what? He's not going to win the war. This is just for a short while. I'm coming. You can rest assured of that. I'm coming. I'm just as well on my way. I'm being hindered right now. Satan has blown that bridge up. Satan has put the obstacle and the opposition in my path. It's just temporary. It's just for a short while. And I recognize that. Amen? This is just what I have to endure 
right now for the time being. But also he says there in verse 17, he says, But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short while in person, not in spirit. See, that's a heart check right there. You get in a situation where you can't be in church for whatever reason that is, but you're still there in spirit, your heart's right with God. Amen? You're still, whatever, whatever has caused you to not be able to be amongst the people of God at that particular time has gotten in your way and you can't be there, but you're there in spirit, your heart's there. And your heart's right with God. You see, this is the danger. The longer we stay out, the less we care. Amen? Heard about a preacher one time, went by and visited one of, one of his church members. That church member had been out for a while. That preacher goes up there to visit with a church member, knocks on the door, church member opens the door, invites him in. Would you like a cup of coffee? Sure, I'll, I'll have a cup of coffee. They sit down, one is in one chair, the other one's in the other chair, and it's just silence. Neither one of them say anything. They're just there in the dead of silence. Not a word has been spoken, and they're sipping on their coffee. There's a fire in the fireplace, though, and pastor stands up and takes the tongs, and he takes one of the logs off the fireplace, and he kind of sets it over there by itself. At first, it's lit up, and I mean, it's a glow. It's on fire, and then he sets that, sets that uh, log over there by itself, and all of a sudden, it dwindles down a little bit more, becomes less and less fiery, becomes less and less red hot. And all of a sudden, it's just about to the point where you can just about grab it by your hands and pick it up yourself. Then the pastor goes back over there, takes the tongues again, and he picks that log back up, and he puts it back on the fire with the rest of the logs, and now it's all lit up again. The pastor says, well, I guess I'm going to go now. <laughs> Never said anything. That's all he did. Church member says, I'll see you at church Sunday. <laughs> the point's been made. Amen? And see, that's where we come to, the more we stay out, the more we don't care, and the harder it is for us to get back in. Now, the getting back in part, kind of like jumping in a cold creek on a hot summer day, you're just going to have to jump in, <laughs> amen? Can't stick a toe in there, you're just going to have to dive in, head first, amen? But not only does it say that, he also says there in verse 18, he says, for we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, more than once, yet Satan hindered us. And so as we look at this, he says, we wanted to. We had the heart to. We had the desire to. Verse 18, he says he had great eagerness and great desire to see them. We were eager and we had the desire. We need to have the eagerness and the desire being God's house with God's people. The last thing in verse 19, he says, For whom our hope, our joy, our crown 
of exaltation is not even you. In the presence of our Lord Jesus at His coming. Friend, Jesus is coming. Amen? Now, there's a whole lot of folks out there in the world today that say with their mouth that Jesus is coming. They believe Jesus is coming, but they're not acting like He is. They're not living like He is. In fact, I believe if Jesus was to get word out to every Christian, wouldn't tell anybody else, he'd just tell every Christian, tell every single Christian, you know what, I'm coming back at 3 o'clock this afternoon. I'm going to come back at 3 o'clock this afternoon. I'm going to take all my children home. I believe there'd be some folks kind of upset about it. Now, wait a minute. I've got plans. I've got things that I need to do. There's some things that I need to take care of. And besides, you know, there's some things I need to get straightened out because I hadn't been where I ought to be and doing what I ought to be doing. But I know that I knew all this while that you were coming back, but yet I haven't been living as though you're coming back. Don't you think it's time for us to get our houses in order? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, he's not going to tell us that he's coming back at 3 o'clock. He's not going to tell us that he's coming back at any time. He's just going to come back. And there's going to be a day of accountability. As Christians, there's going to be a day of accountability where as a Christian, you're going to stand before Jesus and you're not going to be judged as whether or not you're going to heaven or hell. That's been settled the day you got saved. Amen. The day you got saved, that was settled. But what's going to be judged before you as a Christian, as a child of God, is whether or not you have wood, hay, and stubble to lay before His feet and all that is going to be burned up. Or whether you have some precious gold, precious things to lay before His feet. And as that goes before the refiner's fire, it's just going to be made more beautiful. Now it's not for my glory, it's not for your glory because any crowns, any, any treasures we get in heaven, we're going to lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Amen? So it's not going to be for our glory, it's not going to be for our benefit. It's going to be for His glory. Jesus is coming back. Friends, today everything that we need, that we do as a child of God upon this earth ought to bring Him glory and honor. And I want to conduct my life as such. I knew if He was to stand before me right now, I have no reason to be ashamed. Amen? None whatsoever. I want want the praise team to come on up this morning. And as they come up, Brother Keith and Sister Kim, now as I'm looking out this morning, most of everybody, or really everybody we have here this morning is our active folks. Got a lot of folks out for a lot of different reasons. Let this, let's let this invitation be twofold. 
as you stand. Let's let this invitation be twofold. Number one, you're looking around. Say, oh, well, Sister Sue, she hadn't been here in a long time. Been a pretty good while since I've seen Brother Joe. Would you pray for her? Put them before the Lord. Maybe you don't even know their name. You know their face. Hadn't seen them in a little while. Would you pray for them? Put them before the Lord. And then would you pray for yourself that God, would you give me the boldness? They're my brother, they're my sister in you. And Lord, I, I want them to come have a family reunion. There'll be a family reunion in glory one day, but I want us to have a family reunion right now. Would you come pray them back in? Would you do that? This altar is open right now. Would you start praying for them right now? God, Draw them back in by the power of your Holy Spirit. Draw them in. Draw in others. Maybe they've been out for years. Maybe they've been out for decades. God, do what only you can do. Draw them in. Secondly, Brother Kevin's going to come up here and he's going to take my place during this time of invitation. Sister Tammy and I is going to go to the back. We're going to get ready for baptism. You can go on back there right now as we get, get ready. But if there's something specifically on your heart or on your mind this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, you're not saved. Maybe you've got sins in your life, unconfessed, unrepented of sins. Things going on in your life to where you know that they shouldn't be there. You'd like prayer for them. Kevin's up here. You come pray. Any other decision, anything on your heart that God's placed there, you come as God so leads.